Hi, and welcome to the West Visalia Audio Podcast. Each message is designed to help you grow and inspire you to take action. Please take a moment to hit the subscribe button, and don't be shy to drop us a message if you have a question. Thanks for listening, and God bless. I don't know if if you're like me, but these last, oh, I guess several months now, I've gotten really tired of press conferences. It seems like that every time I turn on the news or get online, there was another press conference, whether it be from uh, President Trump or, or Governor Newsom or um, Dr. Fauci or any other official uh, press conference laying down and talking about the most recent ideas for good regulations and safety protocols. And what got really frustrating was all the different ideas and regulations and guidelines and protocols that were being presented for churches. Now, I know not all of you are maybe dealing with that on a, on a weekly basis, but know that the church leadership here was really struggling with how to digest all this information, how what protocols to put in place, what we should do, what we should follow, what we should not. It's been a very challenging time because in all of this we had to be we needed to be reasonable with with what we did. We also needed to be responsible. We needed to be cautious and then with all of that with the idea of of an illness that it, it could be very deadly for some and at the same time understanding that different people have different risk tolerances and all of that uh, I know myself I'm sure the elders would have relayed the same information kind of stressful trying to figure out exactly what to do as a church and then with all of that when there's regulations being made or, or protocols being put in place that affect churches automatically we kind of bristle up to that pretty quickly because we're used to a certain level of freedom when it comes to how we practice Christianity, what we do, when we, when we meet, how we meet, the structure of it, and all of that. And we know that God needs to be number one in our lives, and God gives us freedom on how to operate as a church, how and when we assemble, and all of that. And then we looked at this whole situation, we're thinking, okay... We're being told to do certain things different. We're being told that you can have 25% capacity, 50% capacity, no more than this many people in a gathering. A gathering can't be longer than this. You can't sing or you should sing. You should be inside. You should be outside. In all of that, there was a lot of stress in trying to figure out what we should do as a church. And in all the midst of all of that, we know that God needs to be number one in our lives. We also know that God tells us to obey the laws of the land. And then, so then we have to pour over in our mind what... When do we say no and when do we, you know, give in? At what point are we, you know, giving in too far? At what point are we just being good Christians and following the law to the best of our ability? Because just because we consider a law unreasonable doesn't mean that we don't follow it as a Christian. Just because we see a law as being unfair or against the founding principles of our country or anything like that, we know the Bible is greater than the Bill of Rights, and that, that's a challenge for us in all of this. And in the midst of all of this controversy and all of this going on, a verse that I saw a lot of people quoting was Acts chapter 5 and verse 29. And it just so happens that we are going through the book of Acts right now, and we are on schedule to cover this verse today. But Acts chapter 5 and verse 29 says, and it's, I'll, I'll give the context in a bit, but the quote that kept being given out anytime we would make a new regulation about, you know, or a new regulation was handed down from the government about worship and about churches, um, Acts chapter 5 and verse 29 says, we must obey God rather than men. 
So the question we have to ask when we look at any passage of Scripture, and any passage of Scripture that's being thrown around and quoted, in, and I know that there's varying opinions in any gathering right now about what we should do in this difficult situation, we have to ask the question with any verse that we're quoting or that is being quoted, does the verse apply to our current situation or how does it apply? So what I want to do today is we're going to walk through a passage in Acts chapter 5. And before we quote a verse, like let's say Acts chapter 5, verse 29, because I mean, I've had people on all the different sides, you know, being quoted verses about how we should handle all these different situations, and this verse always comes up. We need to learn the context of a passage before we quote it. And if we understand where the passage is found and how the passage is used, then we can make proper application to us. So open up your Bible to Acts chapter 5. And I'm really going to approach this more like a maybe a Bible study or a Bible class and how we're going to walk through this passage. We're not going to have, you know, normally my sermon says, here's our big main idea, here's our um, illustration, application of it. What I want us to do is together as a group, we're going to walk through this passage as I lead us in the study this morning of Acts chapter 5, and then I want us to be able to, in our own minds, try to see how we can apply this passage or not apply this passage to our particular difficult situation. A situation where we're trying to watch out for the health and safety of people. A situation where we're trying to be people who submit to government and not cause a lot of problems when we don't have to. And also people that want to make sure that we still are able to worship God and practice Christianity in a way that's best. So there's a challenge in all of this. But Acts chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 12. If you remember, if you're new to the Bible, first off, this is in the time after Jesus was on the earth. Jesus died, buried, and rose again. He ascends to heaven, and then he gives his disciples, his apostles, the task to go out there and spread Christianity. They're out there preaching and making Christians. The church is growing. It's an amazing time for the church. But it's also a difficult time for the church. Because if people are not pro-Christianity, there's people that don't like the messages being preached, and there's people that are, in fact, you know, arresting them and hurting them for the cause of Jesus. So in Acts chapter 5, verse 12, we find out that many miracles are being done among the people, and that we're all with one accord in Solomon's portico. So they're on a porch, kind of like this, actually, because they're doing a bunch of miracles. They're in front of the temple. They're preaching the gospel, and people are coming together and becoming Christians. It is amazing. But at the same time, all these multitudes are gathering together and are following them and they're healing people. And anytime you have a new religious movement and you have a big crowd forming and you have people following the lead of other individuals, people who are in power have a tendency to get jealous. It happens even in religious circles today. Maybe there's a person who comes to a, a greater area of influence because of their speaking ability or because of their knowledge of Scripture, and they garner kind of a following, and then those that used to have a following get jealous. And we find out here in verse 17, it says, But the high priest rose up along with all his associates, that is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. See, they're used to being in charge. The Sadducees here were some of the religious leaders of the wealthiest people there in that community. And now they're losing their power. People aren't caring what they're saying anymore. They're caring about what the apostles are saying. They're seeing miracles being performed. And they're being drawn to them. So the Sadducees are getting jealous. They don't like it. They're losing their influence. They're losing their power. So they're filled with jealousy. So what do they do? They use their power in a corrupt way to try to shut down a movement that they don't like. And I think some of us even have fears of, you know, one day maybe that happening even in our own country, right? But here they shut it down. 
verse 18, it says, And they laid hands on the apostles, and they put them in jail. So they arrest them. They, they grab them, they arrest them, they put them in jail. They haven't done anything wrong. All they were doing was healing people. They're preaching the message of Jesus. But now they're arrested for it. But God's watching out for them. In verse 19, it says, that During the night, Acts chapter 5, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison and taking them out. So they're in jail for doing nothing wrong. An angel comes and opens the gates of the prison and lets them out. And here's what the angel tells them. The angel says to them in verse 20, Go, stand, speak to the people in this temple the whole message of this life. See, the people were telling them, don't speak. The religious leaders were saying, be quiet. The Sadducees are laying hands on them and arresting them for preaching. But an angel of the Lord comes, who has greater authority than them, and the angel of the Lord says, go, stand, speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. So not only just keep preaching, but go right in the middle of them and preach the message of Jesus. So in verse 21, they listened. It says, upon hearing this, they entered into the temple about daybreak, and they began to teach. Now they were already arrested for this. So imagine now that, that these religious leaders that didn't like them preaching, they didn't like the influence that they were making, they didn't like that they were losing their power, uh, they're getting angry. They're gritting their teeth. They're getting upset. And it says, Now when the high priest and his associates came, they called the council together, even all the senate and the sons of Israel. So they're calling everybody together now. And they sent orders to the prison house for them to be brought. But the officers who came did not find them in the prison. And they returned and reported back saying, We found the prison house locked quite securely, and the guards were standing at the doors. And when we opened up, we found no one inside. So the people are perplexed, like, well, where are they? They're supposed to be in prison. And then they see them. Verse 25, But someone came and reported to them, The men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and are teaching the people. See, they thought they could bring them before the council and the senate and finally arrest them and put them on trial. But when they go to get them, they're not even in the prison. The angel helped them escape. And now they're in the middle of the temple preaching. The people are upset. The leaders are angry. So the captain went along with the officers and proceeded to bring them back. Now, they did it without violence, for they were afraid of the people that they might be stoned. See, the people are not listening to the leaders anymore. They're listening to the preachers. They're listening to the apostles. They're listening to the Christians. And now the, the guards are afraid, like, if we are rough with these individuals, there's going to be a riot on our hands. So they bring the people, the apostles, in before the council. And in verse 27, when they brought them before the council, the high priest questioned them. He says this. So here's what the high priest does. So they're brought back in front of the court, and they're saying to them, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. And yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. See, they don't like the teaching because not only are they teaching the message of Jesus, they're teaching a message of repentance. They're teaching a message that says you're responsible for killing Jesus. They're teaching a message that says you're guilty of sin and people don't like it. When you start telling people that they're doing something wrong, people get upset. So they tell the apostles to stop teaching. And here's what Peter says in verse 29, and it's a message that so many of us are familiar with. Peter and the apostles answered, when they're told to stop teaching about Jesus, Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. 
And then he goes on, he says, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you have put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. So Peter says, look, we're not going to stop preaching Jesus. Jesus was raised up by God himself. Jesus, you put to death. Jesus gave you the, us the opportunity for forgiveness and repentance, and he is exalted to the right hand of God. He says, we're not going to stop preaching this message because we are witnesses of these things. We saw with our own eyes that Jesus rose from the dead. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. So the Holy Spirit is witness to the fact, and the same Holy Spirit is given to the people who what? Obey him. That's why they obey God and not men. So Peter lays that out there. They're told to stop preaching. Peter says, no, we're not going to obey you in this regard. Now, up in this way, they tried to be they tried to be good citizens. They always tried to follow the law. The early church functioned in a, in a negative situation. But when they're told to stop proclaiming the message of Jesus, the message that Jesus is Lord and that you must follow him and that repentance and forgiveness is available through him, they say, no. Now, how would you imagine the, the authorities are feeling now at this moment? They're upset. Verse 33, it says, but when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and intended to kill them. The, the high priest, the council, the senate, they're upset by this because when you tell people in authority no, oh, they don't like that. They don't like it when you say, no, I'm not going to listen to you. They get upset and they intend to kill them. For That's how, how, how cold-hearted they are, how hard-hearted, how their soul is just darkened in this moment. They want to kill them. But verse 34, it says, A Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law respected by all the people, stood up in the council and gave orders to put the man outside for a short time. Now, you might be familiar with the name Gamaliel. Later on, we're going to learn that the Apostle Paul was a student of this man. Now, Paul's not a Christian at this time yet. He's still out there persecuting Christians and all that. This was his teacher. Kind of an interesting turn here that he's um, in this situation. But Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, came up and he told the council, hold up here, everybody. Let's send everybody outside for a moment and let's talk. Now, Gamaliel's not a believer in Jesus. He's not a Christian, but he has a good mind. And he said to them, verse 35, men of Israel, take care of what you propose to do with these men. He says, be careful in how we handle this situation. And you know, good leaders do that, right? They say, okay, we need to weigh what's going on here. We need to make sure we handle this in a wise way. So here's what Gamaliel says. He has a little argument he makes. He says, Some time ago, Theudas rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men joined up with him. But he was killed, and all who followed him dispersed and came to nothing. He says, look, remember a while back there was that guy who had a whole bunch of followers, claimed to be somebody, and when he died, his followers went away. He goes, that normally happens. This guy, though, Jesus, and he talks about another example of it too, but he says in verse 38, this Jesus guy, when he died, his followers are still around. Verse 38, So in the present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and let them alone. For if this is the plan or action of, is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them, or else you may be found fighting against God. He says, look, if you kill these guys, we might have this giant uprising because his followers, Jesus' followers, are still around. Or if we do something negative to them, we might be found fighting against the plan of God. So verse 40, they took his advice. And after calling the apostles in, they flogged them. 
Now, you might be this, normally we read over that. We think, okay, good, they survived. It still wasn't easy for them. So the apostles aren't killed because Gamaliel convinces the council not to. So they bring the apostles in, and they beat them. They whip them. They flog them. It would be the Roman flagellum, probably, which was like a cat of nine tails. So they got you know, whipped bad for their preaching. But then they let them go. And after they flog them, they order them, verse 40, to not speak in the name of Jesus. And then they release them. So again, they're told not to talk. They're whipped. They're beaten. They're told, do not preach about Jesus anymore. Verse 41. So what did the apostles do? So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing, so that they had been considered worthy and to suffer shame. And saying, you know what? Us Christians are weird people. You know, they get whipped for preaching and they go on rejoicing. Isn't this great? We got the honor of being, you know, held up on trial here. We're worthy to suffer for Jesus. In verse 42, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. They didn't listen when they were told to stop. So now if I've lost you in all that, let's summarize this all up. The apostles and the Christians there were repeatedly arrested and punished for preaching Jesus. They were told to stop, but Peter tells them we must obey God rather than men. Now how is this relevant to us today? First off, it is relevant to us in the sense that no matter what authority orders us to do, no matter who is in authority, if we are told or forbade from preaching Jesus, we will disobey. Following God comes first. God is number one. Not a president, not a governor, not a mayor. We will always preach Jesus. That is the truth of the situation here. Now, what about our current you know, environment that we're in right now? With certain regulations being made on churches with certain concerns about illness, with certain laws and things being passed down, how do we approach the situation and does, this, and does this passage apply? Well, let's think about the first century for a moment. During the first century, it wasn't easy to be a Christian. You know, we're used to, in our own American you know, communities, we're used to having a lot of freedom and pro-religious you know, um, ideas out there. It's pretty easy to gather together and worship as a Christian. It wasn't always that way, though. It's not that way in other countries, and it wasn't that way in the first century. Certain circumstances made it very difficult for them to worship and to preach. When you read in Scripture, there was times when they scattered. So you might think, well, why didn't they fight back? Because at times it was smart to scatter. You know, and in fact, the Christians were never told to just fight back against those who were persecuting them. So at times in the Bible, we find Christians scattering in order to function as a church. In other times, you find Christians hiding in order to follow Jesus. In fact, historically, the early church a lot of times met in catacombs, in tombs. They were kind of an underground movement because they didn't want to get arrested. They didn't want to be in trouble. They didn't want to have conflict when they didn't need it. But at the same time... In the midst of all of that, in different difficult circumstances, they still always preached Jesus. The church always found a way, even when they were told to stop teaching Jesus, they would say no. So what about us today? What about us today with different regulations and guidelines being put on churches? I mean, we're used to meeting inside a comfortable building. Now we're outside here at 8 o'clock in the morning. Some of you would still be in bed right now. I mean, this is not the way we're used to 
to doing things. How do we approach this situation then as a church? Do we say, well, you know what? They can't tell us what to do. We're going to worship in any place we want, any way we want. Or, or we're not, we're not going to care about you know, these guidelines and regulations. We're going to do what we've always done because we ought to obey God rather than men. I would caution us in using that verse in that way. Here's what I think is right biblically. I think biblically we will take on all difficult circumstances head on. And as a church, we will always find a way to worship God. Now, we might have to do that in small family groups. The early church did that. They met in homes in many places. We might have to do that. You know what? It might become a point in this area in our country where Christianity is so heavily persecuted that we have to hide. The early church did that. We'll do that if we have to. We'll still worship God. It might be that we have to meet virtually. We did that for the last several months in order to protect the health of others, which I know some didn't like that idea, uh, and there's different viewpoints and all that, but it wasn't done out of com complacency. It wasn't done from anything besides to just help people out. It wasn't done out of fear. It was done out of love. But you know what? As a church, we might be in a place where we have to meet virtually in some way. There's Christians in different countries right now that that's how they have to gather. They're watching sermons and gathering that way because they can't do it publicly. And it might be that we have to worship outdoors like we're doing today. But no one's going to stop us from praising the Lord. Now, you might be saying, but if we're giving in, we shouldn't give in. Now, in some cases, we have to use wisdom. We have to use discretion. We have to be smart. We have to be kind. We have to be cautious and understand that our place as Christians is not to cause an open rebellion in this world to the government. Our job as Christians is to cause a rebellion to sin and to preach the message of Jesus. But if it does come to a point when anyone ever tells us to not preach Jesus, nothing will stop us from proclaiming his name because we must obey God rather than men. Now, the early church found a way to function during persecution. The early church found a way to function when they were being killed and fed the lions. We can find a way to function no matter what comes down. But we will not ever stop following and preaching Jesus. Now, here's, the, here's where we hit home with this. I think saying that is the easy part. It's easy to say, no one will ever stop me from preaching Jesus. The question that I want us to take home, because it's easy to kind of get pumped up with something like that, and go, that's right, I'd be like that if I was ever in that situation. Yes, of course, I know we could all say no one would ever stop us from preaching Jesus. The question that's designed to make us all a little uncomfortable this morning, though, is would they have to? Would we have to be told to stop preaching Jesus? Would we have to be told to stop practicing Christianity? You know, Brother Sean Hawthorne, who was a preacher here before me, and I know many of you knew, he always had this saying that he would say. He said, if you were on trial like these Christians were here, for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? See, think about that. They, were, they had to be told to stop preaching Jesus. Would that be a big change in your life? Would that be a big change in mine if we were told to stop? Would that be no biggie because we're not doing it already? See, if there's not enough evidence to convict us, if we were standing before the council here of the Sadducees and the Senate and all of them, and they were trying to convict us for preaching the name of Jesus, would they have evidence against us? If they didn't, if they don't today, what changes do we need to make in our lives? If there's not enough evidence to prove to the world that we are practicing Christianity, 
We need to make some changes to our life. See, it's easy to make these grandiose statements like, I'll never give in. I'll always obey Jesus. I'll preach him and I'll obey God rather than men. But when it comes down to our daily life, actually following Jesus, actually reaching out to other people, actually sharing the message of him with others, that's where it gets more difficult. It's easy to to stand up and say, I will never give in. I'll always obey God rather than men. But actually obeying God in our day-to-day life, that's where it gets difficult. If we were on trial, like the apostles were here, for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict us? This morning, if there's some changes you need to make in your life, we're here to help you. We want to pray with you. We'll study with you. We'll bring you to Jesus and baptize you today if that's what your need is. If you strayed away from the faith and you need to come back, make a choice to do that. If you're tuning in online and you're hearing this message today and you want to follow Jesus and you haven't been obeying him like you should and you need help, reach out to one of us, call one of us, message one of us. We want to help you follow Jesus. We do believe without a doubt that we must obey God rather than men. There's been a song that that was selected. I'll call Steve up here to lead that now. And we'll sing together and then we'll get ready for our communion service. Thanks again for listening to West Visaya Audio. We hope these messages have helped you grow and inspired you to take action. Be sure to check in each week for more on-the-go content or visit our YouTube channel to watch the live video. Thanks for participating and God bless. Thank you.